98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. There is a lot of talk about the new Kyler Murray, more vocal, more candid, more profane in a good way. But now it's time for Murray to get back to impressing us with what he does on the field. And this Sunday's game against the Raiders is another crossroad because the Cardinals are one in six in their last seven games. There is a fear that defenses have completely figured out Cliff Kingsbury's offense and he has nothing left to offer. There is a fear that Murray just can't see the middle of the field, and if you want proof, just this week, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa admitted that he struggles seeing the field, that if his receivers don't see him, he doesn't see them, and he's six foot one. and it's a big week because of that contract. If the Cardinals fall to 0-2, and if this offense doesn't find its way into a fast lane, oh boy, is it going to get loud around here, and not in a good way. Last season, the Cardinals routinely scored 30 or more points en route to a 10-2 start. They did it eight times, but down the stretch, they did it only once, and three different times, they failed to reach 17 points. So something has changed dramatically in Arizona. Let's just hope it can be unchanged starting Sunday. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, I would, uh, I would love to um, you know, get Keish and AJ more balls, uh, Ertz, you know, more touches. Um, you know, James, you got you, it's it's once Hop come back, you know, it's it's more mouths to feed stuff like that. Um, but no, that 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 didn't happen. By you know, that just kind of happened. It was one of those things where um, he happened to be in the right places at the right time, and and that was you know that's what that's just what happens when you, when you're in the game. That's Kyler Murray earlier this week talking about wanting to spread the ball around more. The Cardinals' offense very pedestrian in Week One, two hundred eighty-two yards. Uh, total, just three of 12 on, on third down situations. Uh, they had plenty of, uh, drives where they just didn't do anything. First drive of the game. Three plays, two yards, they end up punting. First drive of the uh, second half, five plays, they gain five yards, they end up punting. Uh, in fact, in two drives in the third quarter, they gained a, a total of 10 yards, yep. five yards yep. net. You can't have that. No. You, can't, you can't spread the ball around and get into a flow offensively if you're not producing, for A, on first and second down to make third down manageable. Right. Uh, and third downs, you got to be better for three, three of 12. Well, it, it, the way I look at it this way, and, and I really do think that in terms of our Sporting condition. It's you know I I look I look across the NFL and I I've referenced that crowd in Seattle on Monday night multiple times. You saw that crowd in Kansas City yesterday. That crowd in Kansas City began. They were in a a traffic line at seven thirty in the morning waiting for gates to open. I think a lot of people saw that. All right. I think about what has been lost here, and I think about how with both the Suns and the Cardinals, we have dealt with a real traumatic series of of end-of-year events with both teams. Sunday, it's got to stop. This game against the Raiders has to be when this slide ends. The slide that began when this team was 10-2 and and just started wobbly, wobbly, wobbling their way down the season. Every chance they had to win a big game, to clinch a division, to clinch a playoff spot, 
They lost. Get to the playoffs. Annihilated. Open the season. Annihilated. It's got to stop this weekend. Yeah. Or, or I've already talked talked about the belief of a, a chunk of the fan base. Not everybody, but a chunk of the fan base. They're just the, the belief is waning on where this whole thing is going. From the man who's coaching to the man who's selecting the talent to the man who's paying or not. The players, and, and so this is this has got to be when it stops because you go to zero and two. There's going to be a lot of negative energy. It's part of the deal, but more to a point. And you brought this up many times, and you're right on the money about this. The internal belief that is so important for a football team. If a football team really doesn't think it can win, that's when the bottom falls out of a tub. That's when things Absolutely. get really bad. And a lot of that, not all of it, a lot of it falls on Kyler Murray. Again, it does. okay in week one. And there's all this talk about the evolution of Kyler Murray. One thing's not going to change with Kyler Murray, and you hit on it in the blast. He's not going to get taller than 5'10 and no. eighth. So no. uh, that's going to have to, if it is an issue, still has to be overcome. It, yep. But he can change other things. The demeanor has been talked about a lot this week. Kyler talked about it himself. Zach Ertz talked about it yesterday. If he's uh, seen a change in Kyler Murray since last season. I mean, I definitely think he's more vocal this year. I think he's kind of taken him on that vocal leadership role. Um, and I also just think he, he's a, even after the game uh, when we got our bus kicked on Sunday, he was the guy going around in the locker room, kind of telling everyone we're going to be all right, we're going to be all right. Um, so for me, I think he's just taking that next step. Everyone wants to finish product in today's society, and that's just not reality. Everyone's got to grow up. Um, I'm a lot better leader now than I was when I was 24, 25. So um, he's doing a great job. Here's more from Zach Ertz on how Kyler Murray did approach his teammates after that loss to Kansas City. He's been uh, building us up. Obviously, everyone was down. Um, and he's kind of been the guy to not dwell on the past. He's really been a guy that's kind of focusing on the future because uh, we know the talent we have on offense and we should be able to put up points and we should be able to execute and we should do this, should do that. But we got to go out there and do it. Uh, Kyler's a guy that wants things done precisely. He wants guys to be where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. Um, he's going to let you know how he wants things, and that's all I care about. It doesn't matter how I view a route. It doesn't matter if I think I should do this or that. Ultimately, it's about what the quarterback wants, and so we're constantly talking football, uh, how he how wants certain routes run, because to me, that's what all route running is about, being ready when the quarterback's ready, being where you're supposed to be when he's ready, um, and that's what I take pride I in. I actually love to hear that, Bick, because I, and I think this probably is the case for Kyler Murray, and mm-hmm. it's it's becoming overcome. And what I mean by that is it's really hard for a lot of people by nature to approach somebody and say, what you're doing is not good enough. Whether it's, you know, on a sports team, in an office setting, I've always had difficulty with that. It appears that Kyler Murray had difficulty with that at different times where he was such a talented athlete at the lower stages of his career, high school, college, that he could just overcome those things with his talent. You can't do that in the NFL. So Mm -hmm. now in year four, you sign the big contract, you recognize, hey, I do need to be more of a vocal leader. He's becoming more comfortable with it. It's it's a really difficult thing to do. And a lot of people, unfairly, and I'm not just talking about Kyler Murray, but they look at the quarterback position and they say, oh, that's the quarterback, that's the leader, that's the way it's got to be. There's a development that takes place because we're still talking about human relations here. Yeah, well, listen, again, if Kyler Murray was frustrated at some of his teammates, and he clearly was again, and, yes. and, he, and he gave voice to it after week one, talking about you can't feel yourself in this league, maybe you got a, a hint of it there. Maybe 
maybe it was a lot of sloppy route running guys not where they're supposed to be, which led to, you know, uh, a breakdown of the offense. <sighs> don't want to harp on the lack of reps. Don't want to harp on any of that. The Cardinals are lucky that they only lost one game in week one. And but but now they need to get they need to get synchronized. They need to look like a dangerous football team. Mm hmm. Because they didn't look like one last week. No. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, the fans have spoken. The media has spoken. You've had players speak out. Uh... Minority owners speak out now on the Suns ownership front. You've got a major sponsor speaking out. We'll tell you what, uh, who said what next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. That is the uh, Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. Football Friday, but uh, lots of uh, basketball, at least ownership, to talk about. Yeah. Here as we come to you live from the Oxygen Community Studios. Uh, Chris Paul, LeBron James spoke out. John Najafi spoke out. The city of Phoenix and its mayor have spoken out against uh, Robert Sarver. And today, a new development. Um, a major sponsor with the Phoenix Suns, Dan Shulman, who is the president and CEO of PayPal, the jersey sponsor and a big sponsor of the Phoenix Suns, released a statement today that said, quote, PayPal is a values-driven company and has a strong record of combating racism, sexism, and all forms of discrimination. We have reviewed the report of the NBA League's independent investigation into Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver and, and found his conduct unacceptable and in conflict with our values. Wow. PayPal sponsorship with the Suns is set to expire at the end of the current season. In light of the findings of the NBA's investigation, we will not renew our sponsorship should Robert Sarver remain involved with the Suns organization after serving his suspension. While we strongly reject the conduct of Robert Sarver, we remain supportive of the team, its players, and the experienced and diverse talent now leading the organization. Ooh, okay, so it's it's all starting to pop, and that and that is that is kind of what we we're speaking of when we we're talking about external pressure. That this is clearly not in the realm of the NBA and Adam Silver and the other owners to do this, but the external pressure, the financial pressure, um, the the tapping out of sponsors—that's a big deal. That PayPal is their official jersey sponsor. Yeah, and has been since 2018. Right, right. And so this is, and, and so you wonder what's coming next after that. If if other sponsors are going to jump on board with this immediately, um, we could list wh- who they are. It's it's clear as the uh, official arena partner footprint. I'm sure is. Uh, curious about this because look, if if Robert Sarver returns, it's going to be a brand that's damaged badly because it, it's this is going to follow the team and and it really gets down to this as these things kind of happen what effect do they have on Robert Sarver can he look at this situation objectively and say this basketball team has been very good to me. This basketball team has been a great investment for me. This basketball team probably can go for over $2 billion right now, of which I own 35%. And this basketball team will have turned out to be extremely profitable for me. This basketball team will have arguably been much better to me than I was to it. So can he step back and look at that and realize 
let me do the right thing here. Let me let me take the path of least resistance. Let me cash out, make my money, and 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 prevent any further damage to this basketball team. It would be um, it would be antithetical and completely a reversal of the way he's acted up until now, as Jared has pointed out, and that's very accurate. He's fought tooth and nail along the way, but at some point in time, a smart guy cuts his losses. Well, does he believe though that does a it- year suspension? And the ability for one to change. Does he think that like I, I served my penalty and I've changed as a person that people will accept that? Does, in his mind, does he say when I come back a year from now, people will know that I'm a different person and we can move forward? Because if he thinks that, why would why people, why would people know that? Why would people think that? That's There's even no- even Adam Silver in his in his press conference was saying that like you know he lots of people said he's done lots of good things he's grown as a person over the last few years this was stuff that happened years ago mm-hmm. guys we have another sponsor that has issued a statement uh, courtesy Gerald Bourget I saw this from him Kia Kia America statement on NBA response to the Sun situation quote as an official partner of the NBA Kia America supports the NBA's and WNBA's position on. On their investigation regarding Robert Sarver, we stand with the league, the players, the fans, and the need for respectful and inclusive workplaces and look forward to continuing our relationships within the entire NBA community. So not quite as pointed as PayPal, but saying we need respectful and inclusive workplaces. Yeah, but I I, I think with with, uh, we talked about this yesterday. We kind of set the tone. There's going to be a lot of different tentacles of this story. One of them could be sponsorship related. Mm -hmm. With PayPal setting the tone, my prediction is you're going to hear a lot of sponsors over the next 12 to 24 hours kind of go this same route. Yep. Now that they've broken the seal. And when this, and yeah, with a great way to put it, the seal is broken. The seal's been broken on other fronts too with players, with government, with with minority owners making statements. The heat obviously continues to grow on Robert Sarver. But you know what else? The heat is growing on Adam Silver. Indeed. Adam Silver, uh, his press conference a couple of days ago was met with the reaction, this was not nearly enough. You did not rule correctly on this, and I think you're seeing the byproduct of that. He's got to be just sitting there shaking his head in his office in New York today thinking, oh, man, I thought this was going to go away. This is not going away. Uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure he thought this was going away. I think I think maybe Adam Silver said we are hand-tied. And, and who knows what they have done behind the scenes to get this message out to effectively get to the same end. I, I, think, I think they were just in a legal checkmate kind of deal where they did not believe they would win this case in court. And, and to the contrary – if they tried and if they did effectively take the team away from him via vote of the 23 owners, Robert Sarver might have, could have threatened to sue. And that specter of it, fighting a guy who strongly is fighting your position, challenging the facts that you're presenting in front of him. Even now, he's claiming he doesn't agree with everything in that report. So the, the idea that the idea Adam for Adam Silver to say that he's shown remorse, that he's accepted it, that, that seemed to me to be a commissioner saying a lot of stuff he didn't believe. So to me, I think that I, I look at this now, and if you're Robert Sarver, here's the other thing you got to realize. I hope he would realize this basketball team is still really good. If you tapped out now before training camp, you take all this mess off their plate. You don't make them get involved in this. 
You let them do what they what they're paid to do: play basketball, deliver a championship. I, I would hope that somebody could talk to them and just say, "Listen, you're going to win here because you're going to you're going to be, be you're going to have generational wealth." He already do, has that. Though. I know he does. Do, that, that's the thing is like whenever they say like, "Oh, you know the, the Sterlings they made two billion dollars," they were already super rich. So making more money just in a big chunk doesn't necessarily motivate them mm-hmm. anymore. It's the power and the prestige of, of owning a... It's a shift your yeah. thinking from the future is how much is, is my investment going to increase in value? But then again, you have to ask yourself the question, what are you coming back to? Now, it's a, it's a very human response. And we've heard it in all walks of life, too. If I'm going down, you're all Everyone's going down, going down with down. me. Yep. And I know. Look, that remains a possibility after a year, yeah. right now, as mm-hmm. we speak here today. Yeah. Do you think if he were to return as owner that he would still sit courtside at games, still be a public face? Not the first I mean, dude's going to get beer dumped on him, don't you I think? I don't know enough about the personality of Robert Sarver to a- answer that question. Now, I have ideas. I mean, you don't become a billionaire without being cutthroat, without being incredibly confident in your ability to lead. Mm-hmm. All of these things. Yeah. And that's obviously been part of, of right. the history of Robert Sarver. Um, but oh, man, but, <laughs> yeah. But again, it, the, the issue here is his personality, and his yeah. personality is not going to change. Right. I mean, it could change, but <laughs> does it erase the, the eighteen years? I mean, and and people don't forget, and in a lot of cases, people don't forgive. And I'm not saying they should. This no, was, this I don't was think her, they should. This was horrific behavior. I don't think they should at all. Yeah, yeah, and so I, so I think that I, I would really hope that that he could have these kind of conversations in his head and not see and not see that I have to fight, that I have to fight, that I have to dig in, that I'm the victim, that that kind of stuff. In, in the long run, this basketball team will have been very good to him financially. Yeah, yeah. And and this would this would be the time to say you know what uh, for the good of the team for the good of the city for the good of the brand for the good of everything for the good of future free agency for because who knows if if he insists on coming back like I said who knows what's going to happen who yeah. knows there's not a lot of instances in contemporary society where you can benefit financially leaving something in disgrace this yeah. is this is one of them. Uh, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, a chance for the Arizona State Sun Devils to bounce back into the win column. They host Eastern Michigan on uh, Saturday night. We'll talk to the head coach of the Devils, Herm Edwards, next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the Santan Ford Sun Devil Blitz with head football coach Herm Edwards. The Sun Devil Blitz is presented in part by Gila River Resorts and Casinos, Arizona State's official sports headquarters, and Santan Ford. We are Santan Ford. Sun Devil's back at home. Uh, after uh, their trip to Oklahoma State, they wrap up the non-conference portion of their schedule tomorrow night against Eastern Michigan. And here to uh, join us to talk about all things Sun Devil football, their head coach, as he uh, joins us every week, Herm Edwards checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing Hello. well. Thank you so much. Uh, before we move sure. on to this week's game, want to play a little bit of rewind to last week. Um, you know, sure. a, a competitive three quarters in Stillwater. Fourth quarter got away from you. Now that you've had a chance to you know, soak it all in, film wise and everything else, what did you like about last week? What did you not like about last week? Well, we weren't very efficient on third down, and um, the protection of the quarterback broke down at times. We, we, we got to get that fixed for sure. 
uh, defensively, um, we fatigued. We had 93 plays. Uh, when you look at that, mm-hmm. when you look at that game in the fourth quarter, you could really just see the fatigue in the players. Uh, made a, made a few miscues, obviously, and gave them two two scores that basically, you know, if you hold them there, you're gonna you're gonna be in that game, and um, you know, that's just it, it just it, it's really tough because the the kids were really really motivated to play, and, and, and we felt we had an excellent opportunity to win that football game, and uh, at the fourth quarter, we just didn't finish it. Yeah, you, you mentioned, Herm, the, the, the two miscues in the fourth quarter that led to relatively easy touchdowns for Oklahoma State that kind of blew that thing open. Do you, do you think those miscues were fatigue-based? Some, but they're, they're mental errors. You know, they're mental errors. But, but they had, that, I don't to make an excuse. We lost. I don't want to sit here and say, you know, no. Nah. They made the plays they needed to make in the fourth quarter, and we did not. And it's you know I, I look at this and there were a lot of people reacting to the to to the balance of run and pass and to playing it conservative. It's not a bad strategy to play close games on the road and and to count on your guys to win them late. It's it's in fact it's generally a good strategy. In review, should you opened up the game plan a little bit? What do you think of that criticism? Out of curiosity, well, it's always going to get criticism because people want to see more passes. But you know, with passes, you got to protect the quarterback. If you can't protect the quarterback, it really doesn't matter if you want to go back and pass. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think, you know, it's all, it's all, that's easy to say. Well, go back and throw a bunch of passes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so let's protect the quarterback, too. Right? That, 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 that's some of it. And, and we had some issues in protection at times. Uh, the quarterback was, was running around. And, and this week is going to be no different. These guys um, bring a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And so we better be able to pick it up. Herm Edwards, our uh, guest here on uh, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Uh, I agree with the assertion, hey, you want to throw more passes, you got to protect the quarterback. But one of the, the talents we've seen even early on from Emory Jones at quarterback is his ability to be a factor in the run game. There wasn't a whole lot in terms of designed runs for, for Emory a, against Oklahoma State. Is that something you'd like to increase moving forward? Well, you, you do, but remember, RPOs are run-pass option, right? Mm-hmm. And you know when you're an art when when you run some RPOs, he has the ability to run if he would like or 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 pass it, right, or or, or give it to the runner. So um, a lot of that's predicated on the quarterback. What he sees once he gets once he gets into the mesh with the runner, does he keep it? Does he come back and throw it? Uh, does he give it to the runner? Right, and that's the quarterback's decision. I mean, you can't you know you can't tell him after the fact. Well, if you would have pulled it, maybe you could have ran, or if you would have thrown it, you know, then you're second guessing the quarterback. Right. right? Yeah, and you don't want to do that. All right, you, you, nah, you, yeah, you, you, I'm with you on that. Now, you've talked about the new energy on this team, uh, the new mindset of these kids. How have they processed a loss? Do you do you like what you felt from them during the week? Yeah, they were up. They were hurt. They were upset. Uh, they they came back to work, uh, work like, and knowing that this week is a big game for us. It's at home uh, against a solid against a solid football team. Uh, you know, this team, like our defense, hadn't let anybody score in their first two games in the first quarter. Herm Edwards, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going back to um, you know the, the passing game, I'd like to get your thoughts um, and uh, on Emory Jones' uh, performance in his first two games. And I think one of the bright spots from last week to Herm was there were some explosive plays down the field in the passing game. Giovanni yeah. Sanders had one. Uh, what would you say about the the operation so far of the passing game when there is protection? Well, it, it, it's good, and you, you made the point when it is protection. And I just think, you know, Emory has to get familiar with his receivers, 
This is a whole new group of players, mm-hmm. you know, that, that haven't played together. You've got a new quarterback. You got some receivers that were here that he didn't, that he really, you know, he wasn't in the spring. He was in the summer, so now he's played two games with him. I think that as we continue to grow in the passing game, and that's what you want. You know, that's that that's a part of our system. You know, running the ball, play action passes, hitting some big explosion plays, and when you miss them. You know, you might not get another opportunity. So when you when you go back to throw it, you like to hit some of those because it gives everybody confidence when you hit a big pass. You guys know that. Oh yeah. Now you guys are uh, obviously favored against Eastern Michigan, a MAC team. Uh, wh- wh- how do they scare you? Where are they problematic? What do you think of this matchup? They're, they're big up front, uh, defensively and offensively. Uh, real tough physical football team. Uh, quarterback, uh, obviously a transfer. Uh, they spread you out. Uh, they've got some good receivers, uh, and they bring pressure on defense. I mean, they'll bring five and six guys. Uh, you get behind the chains on these guys, they're going to blitz you, and we got to be able to pick it up. You know, because if not, you're going to be in a bad way because they get you in some third, some third and longs, even even third and five. They'll bring they'll bring five guys sometimes or six guys, right? And just play man to man, and nobody in the middle of the field. And they they say, well, we're going to get there before you can get rid of the ball. So there'll be a little bit of a cat and mouse game. We just have to play consistently uh, in all three phases of football. You know, that's what we need to do so we can win a football game. Talking with the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, Herm Edwards, as we do every Friday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, last non-conference game, uh, and mm-hmm. you look at what's what's looming, and I know you don't like to look ahead, but man, <laughs> things are tough out of the gate in the Pac-12 with Utah and then USC back-to-back. Before you get there, what are some of the other things that you would like to see buttoned up uh, th- this week for, from your team heading into conference play, Coach? Well, I think you hit in the conference play. You always know that it is a conference that every week, whoever you compete against, regardless of what their record is or not, it's the Pac-12, right? No one's gone undefeated. <laughs> There's always one of those, oh, those guys just beat those guys, right? Very competitive conference. Um, but we got to tighten up, you know, in all three phases. we we got to do a better job offensively of really converting third downs. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, getting off the field on third downs. You know, that, that's what happened to us in that fourth quarter. Uh, they, they converted some third downs and kept the ball. And, and so, you know, those are the, those are the issues we got to clean up, obviously. And, uh, you know, protection. That, that's going to be the big key this week. How do we handle uh, protection uh, when they bring pressure? You know, and, and you look across some of the results in college football, and a lot of marquee programs have been bit by lesser-known, lesser-named schools. And, and you're kind of playing one this weekend. Is is there a growing parity in this sport? Is something happening, you know, that probably goes along with this transfer portal that's kind of narrowing the gap a little bit? You just mentioned it, the transfer portal, right? All of a sudden you get some guys that maybe were at another school weren't getting an opportunity to play. And go, and then and they they transfer somewhere else, right? So all of a sudden, you're getting this influx of, of players, not only just the freshman class that you're going to recruit, but also the portal class. And um, you know, football is one of those games. Every week, it says college football is college football. You look at it, you know. And last week it was uh, Marshall yep. beating Notre Dame, yeah. Appalachian State beating Texas A&M, mm-hmm. right? Thank goodness you guys didn't schedule any Sunbelt Conference teams this year, Herm. <laughs> right, how about that? All right, Herm, we got to... We'll, have, we gotta, we'll we gotta, have our hands full with Eastern Michigan, trust me. Yeah, <laughs> we got to ask you this really quick, because every time we have you on the air, we got a friend of ours who says, you got to ask Herm about dragons. Herm loves dragons. Is that true? Do you love dragons, Herm? 
Well, no, it's the Game of Thrones, right? Oh, gotcha. I'm there with you on that. That was what it yeah, you know, and and, and and I don't know if you guys watch it, but I got into that for some reason because I don't generally watch stuff like that. And that's, and I always say, you know, the ending was like, really? Yeah. It ended like that? Right. right. I'm with you. It was like, right, okay, it was like the ending was like, I was, man, that's an that's, uh, interesting ending. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Herm. <laughs> good luck this weekend, yeah, man. Well, good luck. We'll talk to you next Friday, Herm. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Our, our, our buddy Chris is going to be very happy that you asked that question. Finally did it. All right. <laughs> Not satisfied with the ending of Game of Thrones. You didn't ask if he's watching the House of Dragons prequel, though. I didn't think well, You're that, telling me to break, well, Jared. I mean, you could have asked that. Should have, who needs the Sunbelt question? Or it's football <laughs> season. He's not going to admit to that on the air. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Herm Edwards joins us every Friday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, yes, a lot of eyeballs on Isaiah Simmons. Can he improve from a week one rough performance? But in a lot of ways... Isaiah Simmons has graduated. In fact, one in particular we'll tell you about next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I'm my best. Um, you know, week one, I got a long ways to go. You know, I'm a lot better than what I put out there. Um, like I said, you know, it's week one. You're a real young player with a rough history, but we're giving you responsibility. It'll be okay. Let's see how you do it against the Chiefs. Oh, no, you blew it. You struggled with the green dot. You really struggled with the green dot. You struggled with the green dot. Calling the plays. There was poor communication, you messed up a bunch. Kelsey dominated, Andy Reid ate your lunch. But now it's week two, and you can be better. Now that you've actually all been on the field together, you struggled with the green dot. You really struggled with the green dot. You struggled with the green dot. Calling the plays. Quick reaction. Lyrically brilliant, Jarrett. But I fear that once Pat Benatar leaves this planet, she will immediately roll over in her grave. Ah, (laughs) haunt me forever for doing that to her. But well done on the Uh, lyrics. Thank you. Yeah, not bad. Absolutely. Not bad. If I had thought it early enough and written it early enough, I would have had to. The delivery was just so god-awful. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. As opposed to uh, recording it during the last commercial break. I would have. (laughs) uh, Yeah, because Sarah's going to be involved in the songs this year. All of them? Not all of them, but some of them. It'll be exciting. Yeah, get ready. Isaiah Simmons struggled with the green dot, according to Jared. Well, according to most. Um, That's one of the things to look out for in week two against the uh, Raiders, and that is um, the the operation. And a lot of it stems from begins with Isaiah Simmons. There's a lot to put on his plate, and yes, he's getting criticism for it, but we can't get past the fact, Bick, that there's a lot on his plate as, as still a young player new in that role. 
Yeah, and it's you really hope the Cardinals are not messing this up the way they messed up the Hassan Reddick thing, where it's going to be this and this and this, and then they're going to you know decline his fifth year, and then his last year he's going to pop and go yeah. sign a big contract. You know, next year, move him to the edge. Yeah, the twelve and a half. Sacks right, twelve and a half sacks. Be a holy hey! terror. Where, where yeah. was that? I just don't get because with Hassan Reddick, they found success when they simplified things for him. I don't know why they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. But listen, I I do think that there are certainly some guys who can up their level of play. He's one of them. Um, You're going to have to kind of cross your fingers and hope on that secondary that whoever is assigned to Devontae Adams can, you know, hang. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to have to double him. I don't know how they're not. Yeah, but then, but, I mean, I know the, one of the one of the strategies this week for for the Raiders is to probably spread things out a little bit more. Yes, yeah, still use Adams heavily, but Hunter Renfro wasn't really a big factor. You got Darren Waller who can dominate a game. I mean, you know, familiarity with the passing game with the Raiders and Derek Carr finding his targets is gonna is gonna happen over time. Uh, going back to to Simmons, he and Zayvon Collins are tied together because of uh, you know the 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 fact that they are back to back first round picks at the linebacker spot. Simmons, uh, you know, had a rough game but got evaluation as well as Zayvon Collins from uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. I thought Zayvon improved and played, you know, played good football. He wasn't perfect, but I thought he played good football. I thought Isaiah played good in spurts and he, he had some plays where he hurt us, you know, on some critical downs and um, that we have to rectify and fix. Yeah, it was one play in particular that went viral where Kelsey came uh, from from the tight end spot, ran a route across the middle, and made yeah. one move, and, and he was, and was able to shake yeah. Isaiah Simmons by yeah. about seven or eight yards oh, after yeah. that. Uh, that was not a good look. Uh, in terms of the communication, again, Vance Joseph said it wasn't good, but it wasn't all on Simmons. It wasn't just him. It was just a total operation of playing fast, hearing the, call, hearing the calls, hearing the personnel, knowing your job, you know, matching their routes, you know, and that, that obviously was the biggest issue for us on defense. You know, and again, the operation wasn't tested before that game. You know, so we had no idea how it was going to look. I was hoping it was going to look good because in practice it looked great. But in practice, it's, it's, it's no stress, right? It's a, it's a controlled environment. And I thought the operation killed us. You know, along with them being very good, you know, and that that's obviously that's a that's a double uh, edged sword. You know, if you're not playing good and you're playing slow and they're playing really good and playing fast, it looks like that. And it felt that way on the sideline. Uh, just to, to paint the picture of, of what happened in the studio when you hear that, uh, both of us were shaking our heads. Yeah. And if if Cardinals personnel, the players and the coaches are being this forthright publicly about what transpired in week one. Can you imagine what's happening behind closed doors or what's happening individually with like, what did we even get ready for the season? Yeah. The idea that you can prepare a football team for a season with nothing more than high quality practices. I think we can burn that plan with fire. Well, I don't know what else you'd burn, but dragon fire. Herm Edwards, dragon fire. With fire, fire, yeah, fire. There was th- that question was posed uh, to Vance Joseph as well on if he's talked to uh, Kingsbury about 
playing guys in the preseason a little bit more? That's behind us, right? I mean, that that already happened. You know, we got to move on now. I mean, it's it's past week one. That's behind us. That's a that's a team decision, you know, and that's behind us. And again, every every team's different. Every year's different, you know, right? It, it may be a spot next year where no one plays again, you know, but every year is different. And obviously, as a coach, when you make decisions, if you make it and it works, it's a what? It's a good decision, right? If you make it and it doesn't work, it's a bad decision. That's just coaching. So if you make it and it's not good, you have to go back and fix it. So, you know, next year we'll deal with next year, but right now we're on to week two, and hopefully last week's lesson helps us. I kind that of, was Adam Silver-esque with I, that. that I, I kind of agree with it, but now, you know, going into next year, a lot of football left to be played, but you're at a fork in the road if you're the Cardinals. You had one year where you didn't really do it much in the preseason, yep. and then this year where it was amplified by injury and inavailability and, you know, things like that. What are you doing in year three? Because you've had good results and we're on the precipice of maybe really bad results from that strategy right now. Well, yeah, because when when you think about last year, you think going into last year, there were there were veteran there were lots of veterans on this football team, from Jordan Hicks to Christian Kirk to Chandler Jones. There there was more of a there was a certainly more of a stability. You would mm-hmm. think that this year, with a lot of these new pieces, young pieces, rookies, that it would have changed your thinking a little bit. Instead, they doubled down on a on a bad strategy. And that's not good. Uh, there's a lot of people that are uh, invested in the Cardinals from an emotional standpoint that uh-huh. are hoping that that was a one-week blip because if, if right. it wasn't, man, yeah. we're, uh, we're talking about Vinny, some big trouble. Vinny, if if they don't find a way to get a win, and if because again, they're at that spot now where playing, playing well and losing is perilous. Yeah. Coming up next, we'll uh, hit the 9 o'clock Let's hour. We'll uh, delve into some social studies with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on this Football Friday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.